So you may have noticed that we, or I, we together read two Gospels today. That is atypical. And while both of these Gospels are assigned to this day by the lectionary, technically you're supposed to just choose one. But as I read them both this week, I wondered why not both? I mean, they're both good and they both have something to say. And in fact, John's Gospel is assigned to this Reformation Sunday, but Matthew's Gospel, we've been in chapter 22 for what seems like a year, but it's just been a handful of weeks, and it has been harsh word after harsh word, and it seems sort of anticlimactic not to get to the main point of all of these parables Jesus has been saying. And the Reformation text for today from John reminds us of this freedom that we have been given in Christ. And not only that, but Fun fact, it is the 500th anniversary of Luther's Freedom of a Christian, his writing that he wrote in 1520. And I know you all thought you were done with all the 500th anniversary things, but they go on for a while yet, so just bear with us. So I'm not going to ignore this gospel from John either. It matters on this day. But when they are placed together side by side with what is going on in the world and in our country, it feels like maybe that's the way it should be this year. We need both. No choosing between the two, but allowing them to speak to each other as if Matthew and John sat down to have a little conversation about Jesus. That's the kind of like nerdy theological exercise that I am here for. So let's start with Matthew. This is where we have been the past few months. After all, in the 22nd chapter, the Pharisees heard Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and they gathered together one of them, a lawyer, fun tidbit of information there, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment is the greatest? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second commandment is like the first, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. There's a picture in my head of this scene, the Pharisees sending people one by one, week by week, to try to trick Jesus. Remember Pastor Chad's message about the Herodians and Sadducees from last week. And all of those haven't worked, so now they reconvene to, to move on to plan C or D or E. I've kind of lost count by this point. This has started, remember, way back when Jesus entered the temple, when they asked him where he got his authority to teach and preach. And then he tells them four parables about hypocrites and using power to take advantage over those who they are supposed to be taking care of. It was a point they didn't miss, and they weren't meant to. Then they get together and they're, they're asking him questions about marriage, about taxes, which are just sure to trip him up. Wrong again. So they circle up the troops again and they send a lawyer out. Just love that detail. You know, lawyers always get such a bad rap, but they win arguments for a living, so they're really sending their top guy to deliver the final no-fail gotcha question. Which commandment is the greatest? This is sure to get Jesus in trouble. There are over 600 laws 
And there is just no way to choose without breaking one of the others or raising one up above. It's going to get him in trouble. This is the question that will trip him up. And Jesus says, love God and love each other. On these two commands hang all of the law and the prophets. This is a total mic drop moment. I sort of picture the disciples like, dang, Jesus! Because Jesus not only encompassed all 613 commandments, but he took the prophets and all of their commands as well into this one statement. That's 18 more books of scripture. The law is five. Jesus added in 18 more. He is such an overachiever. I am here for this. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, he says. We get back to basics. Jesus is calling us to remember what this life of faith is about. He's poking at these Pharisees to remind them what this is all about. It's not about following a law perfectly or using your power to hurt other people or oppress those beneath you. What it really means to be a disciple or be a part of the family of God is about loving God and loving each other. Back to basics. So if that's Matthew's start to this chat about Jesus, John is fully on board with it, right? Because John, as you may have heard Pastor Chad and I both talk about on a regular basis, John's whole gospel is about relationship. It's about our relationship with God and each other. And what is more relational than this great command that we hear in Matthew? Love God, love each other. And we begin John's side of the conversation in verse 32. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. This is a promise many of us have heard before, but it just opens wide and beautifully with a closer look. Jesus begins, if you continue in my word. Now, just those few words. The Greek word we translate as continue is meno, which you've heard before in this place. Pastor Chad and I have both preached sermons on this very Greek word. It means to remain or abide, to stay. And my word, if we are remaining and abiding in my word, we often think that means, oh, we're supposed to like, read scripture all the time. We just stay reading our Bible all the time. And, you know, I'm not going to tell you to not read scripture, but this is John's gospel, remember? And way back in chapter 1, verse 1 of John's gospel, John told us the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is talking about himself here. He's saying, if you remain with me, if you stay in relationship with me, then you will know the truth. And that truth is what sets you free. And that truth is love. Jesus is making a statement here that the disciples kind of miss. And you know, who can blame them? It makes me feel a little better because I've missed it too. So I feel like I'm in pretty good company. Jesus is the truth. So we stay in relationship with Jesus and we learn the truth because Jesus is the embodiment of God's truth. And that truth is love. So this relationship with Christ is what sets you free. 
Often I think this freedom that John is talking about is the freedom that comes from our relationship with God, that freedom from whatever it is that is preventing you from a closer relationship with God. So maybe for you that is shame or anxiety. Maybe it's illness or a struggle. Maybe it's doubt or anger or grief. Maybe it's guilt or bitterness. We've been set free from whatever it is that prevents us from being in relationship with God. That is what Jesus does. He sets us free. Now, I find it sometimes easier to think about my freedom in terms of those things, free from shame and guilt. But I actually think the harder one for me personally, and maybe for a lot of you, is the freedom that Jesus gives us from thinking that we have to do just one more thing. One more thing and God will love me. One more thing and I'll be enough or okay or good. Maybe I just need to say the right thing here or believe the right way or have no struggles of faith or no doubt of any kind. I just need to do one more thing. I've said this before, but it's worth saying again that we find it pretty easy to believe that there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. The harder one is believing there's nothing we can do to make God love us more. Really? Nothing? I mean, what about all that good stuff I do? I do a lot of good stuff. What about all my faithful prayers or how I take good care of the people around me? What about the fact that I've been here my whole life? I've been in this church for my whole life. I've never strayed or never doubted or walked away. Doesn't that count for something? What's my freedom for, after all, if not making sure I'm even more okay? Just to hedge my bets a little. Those of you participating in our Fall Group Life series have by now watched Kate Bowler's TED Talk. If you haven't, you just Google that, Kate Bowler TED Talk, easy peasy. But she talked about this moment where she realized that her can-do spirit couldn't do everything. For those of you who have not watched, Kate tells the story of being diagnosed with stage 4 cancer and having to say her goodbyes and coming face-to-face with her mortality. There wasn't one more thing she could do to cure her cancer. There were no more bets to hedge. No good work she had done could prevent where she was. And she started to wonder that maybe there wasn't a reason for what she was going through. Related, when someone told her husband that favorite phrase of anyone who's ever gone through something hard, that this was happening for a reason, he responded, well, I'd love to hear it. And just be warned, that's going to be my response from now on. You see, none of us want to hear that there isn't a reason for things that happen. We want there to be able to be one more thing we can do. We want to be able to work ourselves into God's good graces. We want to be able to work ourselves out of bad things happening to us. We want to feel like we don't deserve this. It feels good when we do good things on our own behalf. It makes us feel 
good, like maybe there's some control we have over the world, but control is not the same thing as freedom. And God doesn't want you to be in control. God wants to set you free. So we are free, but what for? If not to take care of ourselves, if not to make sure we're okay. Well, back to Matthew's side of the conversation we go, free to love God and love our neighbor. That great commandment doesn't say a darn thing about taking care of ourselves or making sure we're okay first, about hedging your bets. It says all you do, you do for the sake of your neighbor, not yourself. In his work, Freedom of a Christian, Martin Luther's thesis was this. A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. This is about loving God and loving our neighbor, that we are freed and yet bound to love. We are freed not for our own sake, but for the sake of our neighbor. We are freed for loving God and each other. And that brings us here to today, to this day, this Reformation Day in this impossible, difficult, challenging, and yes, I'm going to use the word unprecedented year. It's hard to know what is in need of reform when it feels like everything is kind of collapsing anyway. It's hard to trust God right now, to look around at what is happening and not want to wrestle back some control, any little bit of control. It is even harder to stay engaged with this great command, to keep working hard for those who need your voice and your power and your privilege. But this is what it means to be free. Our freedom is trusting that we will be okay, even if okay doesn't look like what you thought it would look like. It means we get to stop worrying about ourselves so hard to just take a breath and remember we are loved, so loved. It means we get to sit with that good news of freedom for a moment, just a moment, and let it sink in to revel in this freedom of not having to work so hard, to worry so much. And then, and then we roll up our sleeves and we use that God-given freedom for the love and care of our neighbor. Is it hard? Yeah, you bet it is. But we don't do this alone. We are in this community that does this together. And for today, for this day, just for today, that's enough. Amen. As many of you know, Luther wrote that, that 
song than him. Uh, I just like, he's so dramatic, isn't he? <laughs> uh, he's so dramatic, but that his, uh, that the evil might win the day, right? I, I feel that right now. It feels like things are not great and it feels like evil might be winning, but that God's kingdom prevails and that this is what that promise of freedom is, that we, we can trust in this promise that God wins at the end of all of this. And I don't really like win-lose language, but if we have to use it, you know, Luther did, so I'll just roll with it. It's Reformation Day after all, but we, we believe that there is a promise given to us, that we are loved and we are freed, and then we go. That is part of what we believe as these people of faith, these disciples that we are, that we believe that we are freed to go out. We take care of those in need, those who are not being taken care of, who need our privilege and our voice and our power. Even when the world feels dark and scary and things feel hard, that we believe God wins. That's kind of it. So we've been set free and we've been told we are loved. And now we go in peace to love and serve 